0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Please be seated. And uh, I want to say it is an honor to be with you in this chapel service. It's an honor to be here in this missions conference. I am excited. As I get up here and I, as I look out over this crowd, here's something I want you to think about the possibility of changing the entire world, the potential is right here. The question is will we do what God would have us to do? Because God is able but are we willing? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter number three. Exodus chapter number three. want going gonna look at a familiar passage of scripture this morning. As you're turning, and I, th- I think you can multitask because you're college students, all right? As you're turning, I wanna give you a quick advertisement, if I could, for something called Camp Bimi. Um, the Cleavons were through Camp Bimi and they survived. Okay, so they're a good example. And I think there's probably a few others in this room and, uh, there's some guys down front here that have some brochures in their hand. If this is something that you're interested in, I'll just do this guys, see them right after chapel. All right. That way I won't make you guys walk back through and see them right after chapel. I don't have enough of these are back here. He's, he's over here as well. I don't have enough of these for everybody in the room, but here's what I want you to do. If you are interested in camp Bimmy, would you take one of these with you and pray and say, God, is this for me? It is a one-week camp held at the headquarters of BIMI every summer. And it is not like your camp where you, you know, ride horses and shoot archery and BB guns. It's not that kind of camp, okay? It's a missionary boot camp. You don't have to be called to missions to come to Camp Bimbi, but perhaps you're searching about what God's call in your life is concerning missions If maybe you know God has called you, where is God calling you? And this will give you a lot of information about missions and missionaries. Um, Sometimes we hear about all of the, can I say the word glamorous side of missions, which there is a lot of great things when it comes to missions, but there's a lot of difficult things too. So we wanna give you both sides of that. And by the way, if you come to Camp Bimmy, we're not gonna try and talk you into missions. Because I found out a long time ago, if I can talk somebody into missions, somebody else can talk them out of missions. But we just want you to have information, classes there, college-level classes that are taught by men and ladies who have been there and done that. And they want to share their experiences with you. Um, There's a lot of fun at Camp Bimmy, too. A lot of good food. If you come, every meal is an international meal. Now, you have to eat what we give you. But nothing will crawl off your plate. Okay, I promise. As a matter of fact, I think till you get done with Camp Bimmy, you'll say, man, I learned to eat a lot of stuff I've never had before, but I actually even enjoy it, all right? So after chapel, if that's something that interests you, see one of these young men who have had the, who have these uh, brochures, take that with you and just pray about the possibility of joining us for Camp Bimmy, either this summer or some summer in the future. Exodus chapter number three, a familiar passage of scripture here, Moses in the burning bush. And he is... Called of God to do something that is well beyond Himself, to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. This was a job that uh, no matter how hard Moses could try, he could not do this. This was God asking Him to do the impossible. And quite honestly, as you think about the task of worldwide evangelization, when you think about the Great Commission, in some ways, it is God commanding us to do the impossible. But I remind you this morning that with God, all things are possible. And as we look at the example of Moses, one of the things that I want to really stress this morning in the message is the end of verse number four, as Moses meets with God, his response is this, here am I. And I want to say at the onset of this message, that is the proper response when God speaks to us. To just simply say to God, God, here am I. So let me begin reading in verse number one of chapter three. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said... I will now turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your servants that you have called. And we see that throughout your word. And as we look at today, Moses and your call in his life, help us to make the application to our lives and whatever it is that you're calling each one of us to do. Help us, Lord, to respond in the right way to your call. I'm asking now, as your servant, to fulfill your will during these next few moments. Lord God, please fill me with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would help each believer here that's listening to this message, that as listeners, they also would be filled with your spirit. And help us, Lord, to respond properly to your word and to your call in our lives. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus name, amen, amen. I think you know this story well enough that I don't have to review it, we've read it. But as I think about the response of Moses and he says, here am I, one of the things that comes to my mind, the question that comes to my mind is what brought Moses to the point that when he met God and obviously in a very unusual way here, and God called him to this task, that his response was, here am I. Because if we can find out what brought Moses to that point and apply that to our hearts and our lives, then also when God speaks to us about whatever it is, and obviously the emphasis here in this conference and in this chapel service is missions, we would say to God, God, here am I. So the first thing that I see that we find in this passage of scripture that brings Moses to that point is this, he is on the job. Number one, he is on the job. Now, you say, Brother Snyder, that's not necessarily a very big job. I agree with you. Verse one, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. All by itself, we may not be able to make a strong case on this, but it's very interesting that as you go out throughout scripture and you see the men and the women that God called into his service... Scripture takes the time to remind us that they were already doing something else when God called them. For instance, Gideon was threshing wheat. He was scared to death, but he was threshing wheat when God called him. Samuel, young Samuel in the temple, he was already serving when God called him. David was out watching the sheep and they had to call him in. Elisha was plowing in the field when Elijah came by to put his mantle upon him. Amos was following the flock. Matthew of all things was collecting taxes Peter and Andrew were fishing in the sea James and John were mending their nets Philip was already preaching in Samaria when he was called to go to the desert and on we could go the point is this there are so many Christians that seem to be just kind of sitting back and saying, well when God calls me to do something special for him then I'll step up and then I'll start serving that's backwards. You and I need to just start serving right where we are, doing that which God has called us to do today. It's sad when someone thinks, well, I'll be a missionary when I go across the ocean and get over there. No, we start being missionaries today, right where we are, doing what God has called us to do today, being, if you will, faithful in the little things so that God then will call us later for the big things. Let's not talk about serving God someday. Let's talk about serving God today. Now, if you want to make this really practical here in this chapel service, you say, well, how does that include me? How does that apply to me? Well, obviously, all of the normal things that we do as Christians, the soul winning, being in our Bibles and praying and all that. But let's put it down where the rubber meets the road. It means doing well in school. It means doing the best job that you possibly can in all the classes that you have while you're here. This is preparation time, but this is also ministry time for you as well. Now, there are some and I've talked to them. They say, well, you know, all that preparation stuff, that's, that's not all important. There are people, they're dying, they're going to hell. They, they need me to get out there and they need to be out there. I need to be out there uh, in that place yonder where God has called me. Hey, listen. Preparation time is extremely important. Moses is spending 40 years in, if you will, wilderness university while God is preparing him for what he's going to do. I find it interesting later in Moses's life when the snakes came in amongst the Israelites and bit them and they were dying. Moses was instructed to put a pole and put a brazen serpent around that pole. And dare I say, it took him a while to put that brazen serpent together. And there were people probably crying, saying, hey, we've got some people out here. They're dying. They're dying. And God said, there's some preparation time to make this serpent, to, to make this come together as God had planned. And I don't understand all the ins and outs of that. I'm just saying preparation time is important. and We see that over and over again in the life of Moses and many other men and women of God. In God's word. So let us be number one on the job today. Number two, there's something else that brought Moses to this point. Moses was open. He was open to hear whatever it was that God had to say to him. Um, He wasn't too busy to hear the Lord speaking to him. I'm afraid that for many of us, and I, I can get caught up in this too, we, we're so busy, we got all these schedules, these things to do. I'm afraid that if sometimes you or I, if we were to see a burning bush, we, we might have to say, well, wait a minute, Lord, uh, I, I gotta check my calendar. I'm not sure if I have time right now for this because I'm on my way to a meeting. <laughs> hey, listen, let us be open that whenever God speaks to us, we're willing to drop whatever and say, God, here am I. But I also know that Moses was open because of the answer that Moses gave. Moses said, here am I, not what do you want? There's a big difference. I'm afraid there are a lot of young people who are saying, well, you know, that missions thing, that that might be okay. But Lord, I want to know the whole plan first before I say, here am I. God God laid out for me. I want to know the 10 year plan. I want to know what's going to be expected of me. I want to know what place you're going to call me before I'm going to say, okay. because, Lord, I'll go anywhere except for. uh Oh, we're not being open to whatever God wants for us when we start putting limitations on, when we start saying, well, God, tell me what it is you want first. And then if it meets my approval, then I'll say, here am I. Oh, young people, I want to challenge you. Just say, here am I. God has the best plan for you and he will guide you every step of the way. Moses was open to hear whatever it was that God had to say to him, just write a blank check to God and say, God, you just fill in the rest. You do with my life, whatever you want me to do. So, Moses was on the job. Number two, he was open. Number three, Moses was overcome. He was overcome with the fear of the Lord. Look at the last part of verse number six. The Bible says, And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. In our day and time I'm afraid that we do not fear God as we should. I'm sad to say that our culture and can I use the word Christendom to in a very general sense of the word has put God somewhere where he should not be. They have lowered God to some level of a a grandfather in heaven that kind of winks at sin and and talk about him as the man upstairs and all that. Oh, how sad. Our God is the creator of the universe. He deserves our reverence our respect our fear we are to fear God listen we're not to fear COVID we're not to fear man we're not to fear the future we're not to fear failure we're to fear God respect God for who he is reverence him worship him for the God that he is oh when we think about the fear of God don't misunderstand. It's not that we sit over in the corner and we kind of cower down and we're scared to death of God because we're thinking maybe he's going to hit us over the head with some spiritual baseball bat. That's not the fear of God. I think about my own life. I had the opportunity, praise the Lord, to grow up in a Christian home and both my parents are Christians. And um, I remember as I grew up and I, I feared my dad. Now, that doesn't mean I sat over in the corner and I was scared to death of my dad. It means I had a respect for my dad, for who he was in my life. And when I say I feared my dad, it means really a kind of couple things. Number one, it means that I wanted to please him. So that when he gave me a task, he gave me something to do. I wanted to please him. I wanted to accomplish that task. But it also meant that I, I loved him. I loved my dad. And I appreciate him for who he was and what he did for me. And when it comes to our Heavenly Father, it should be the same way. You and I should fear God, that is, respect him and desire to please him. And to love God. So that when we stand before him someday, we can hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, I thought about the writer of Ecclesiastes who said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, this is it. Let's narrow it down. Fear God and keep his commandments. The Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians how we are to fear God because the Apostle Paul had in his mind the coming day when he would stand before Jesus Christ. And he says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I simply remind us this morning that we will indeed stand before Jesus Christ and we will answer to him for what we have done or not done within this body, this lifetime that God has given to us. And, you know, that was a motivator for the Apostle Paul. He didn't live with that thought in the back of his mind. That was in the forefront of his mind. But what's really interesting to me is the next verse after that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the beginning of verse number 11 says this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. There is a definite connection between the fear of God and persuading men. If we do not fear God, we will care nothing about missions and the Great Commission and persuading men to come to a faith in Jesus Christ. But if we indeed fear God, we love him and we want to please him, it will be a priority for us to persuade men and to see many come to the Lord Jesus Christ through our lives. Oh, how important it is for you and I to be overcome with the fear of God in our lives without that i believe we will not say to god here am i as moses did so moses was on the job he was open he was overcome and finally number four here in our text moses was observing he was observing some traits and some characteristics of god and i want to remind us of these simple truths today about god and these traits and these characteristics of god number one He's seeing here and he's observing God's holiness. Look at verse number five. The Bible says, And he said, as God said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Mention a couple of things here. First of all, notice there is no casual worship here, there is no seeker sensitive worship here. God is the one who set the standards for the worship of him. And it's very interesting as a side note, God does care about what we wear and or don't wear. God is concerned about standards and holiness, which is what we're talking about. Oh, how important it is that we don't set the standards and that our culture doesn't set the standards, that God is the one who sets the standards for holiness in our lives. God is holy. Holy. And we are to be holy. How sad it is that many churches have uh, adopted the philosophy that says this, hey, let's be like the world so that we can win the world. That's the exact opposite of what scripture teaches. Scripture says we're to be holy as he is holy, to be perfect as he is perfect. Why? So that others see a difference in us in this world. So that they see Jesus Christ. And it's important that you and I Today, see the holiness of God and determine once again, new and afresh, to live a holy life for Him. But also, as I think about the holiness of God, I think about the fact that because God is holy, sin must be judged. We talk about God as love, and indeed, He is love. Scripture is very plain about that. But God is holy. And in his love, he must bring judgment on sin. That brings us around to missions. Missions is the opportunity for you and I to go out into the world and tell people about not only the love of God, but the holiness of God and how they, through Jesus Christ, can escape condemnation. How they can receive Christ as their personal savior. Oh, what an opportunity we have as we once again today observe the holiness of God to determine our lives, to live holy lives for Jesus Christ and to tell others about the holiness of God and the standard that he requires. So he's observing God's holiness. Number two, he's observing God's eternality. Look at the first part of verse number six. Moreover, he said... I am the God of thy father and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And indeed, we could continue on with that list. He's the God of David. He's the God of Daniel. He's the God of Hosea. He's the God of Isaiah. He's the God of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Why why can we say that? Well, see, our God is an eternal God. Our God always was and our God always will be. And as God says, hey, I'm the God of these men. He is our God today as well, if we know Jesus Christ is our personal savior. And I'm so thankful that we serve an eternal God. The psalmist said before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Now, how does that fit into missions? Well, number one, we need to observe the world. We need to understand what God wants us to do from an eternal perspective. Sometimes we get so focused on the temporal perspective and what's going on around us right in our own little world, but we need to back up, we need to broaden our view and see it from an eternal perspective. Jesus said in Matthew 6, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But he said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Oh, there's certain responsibilities we all have on this earth and we need to take care of those responsibilities. But as we do understand those responsibilities as secondary We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto us. Boy, sometimes folks that are contemplating missions get so caught up in the, well, what about this? And how will God provide this? And what about this aspect? What about that? Hey, listen, seek first the kingdom of God. God will take care of the rest because we serve an eternal God. He knows the beginning from the end. He is the alpha. He is the omega. But here's another thought as well. When we think about the eternal God that we serve and we think about eternity itself, what people do with Jesus Christ is an eternal decision. Is missions important? It's eternally important. Why so? Think with me. You realize that someone who 100 years ago rejected Jesus Christ and died in that state, went to a terrible place called hell. I don't need to describe for you how terrible hell is. I don't think I can really do it in human terms. I can attempt it. And we know from scripture, some of the basics. But can you imagine for the last 100 years, that person has suffered in a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. But here's something else to think about that 100 years from now, that person will still be there. That, to me, is a sobering thought. What about it? Missions, is it just a secondary thing for you? Is it just something that once a year you have the conference, the missions conference, and it's here and it's gone and don't really give it a whole lot of thought? I remind you, missions is of eternal importance because eternity is real. The God that we serve is an eternal God. So Moses is observing God's holiness, his eternality. Number three, he's observing God's compassion. Look with me at verses seven and verse nine of Exodus chapter number three. Verse seven says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. Look at verse nine. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. God says, I see what's going on and I I understand the situation. And he says, hey, I'm going to have compassion on you. Compassion, if you want a short definition, is love in action. You know, there is a difference between pity and compassion. Pity looks at a situation and says, boy, that's terrible, that's bad. I I wish that would not have happened. But compassion says, boy, I, I feel bad about that situation. I wish that would not have happened. You know what, there's something I can do to help with that situation, so I'm gonna put love into action and I'm gonna do what needs to be done, what I can do to help in this situation. Aren't you glad that when God looked upon the world, he didn't do so just with pity? Boy, I'm glad God didn't look down on David Snyder and say, boy, I pity him. I'm sorry. He he doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal savior. He's lost. He's undone. He's on his way to hell. Oh, well, too bad. I feel bad, but there's nothing. That's not what God did. God looked on David Snyder. God looked on the world and God said, you know what? I feel bad because they need a savior. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my love into action. I'm going to send my only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to this earth so that he can die, so that he can go to the grave, so that he can rise again, so that David Snyder or whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, what an amazing thing to think about. God's compassion not just pity. Here's my challenge this morning. When you look at a lost in a dying world you see these presentations during this conference and throughout this school year and anytime as you hear the need around the world and you think about those who are dying without Jesus Christ don't look upon them just with pity. Don't say, boy, I feel bad for them because they've never heard a clear presentation of the gospel because there are people in the world who've never heard even the name of Jesus and I I feel bad for them and to turn and to go your way and to not do anything about it. Oh, I would challenge you, follow the example of Jesus Christ who as he looked on the multitudes, he did so with compassion, he put his love into action. What is it that God would have you to do to reach the world for Jesus Christ? I don't know what that is, that's between you and the Lord. But my emphasis this morning is missions and the need for laborers around the world. And if that's what God is calling you to do, oh, I ask you, step up to the plate and along with Moses, say, Here am I. I'm going to put my love into action and do that which God is calling me to do. It's interesting as you read the story. The good Samaritan, the priest, came along. He's a pretty good guy. He showed pity. But he went his way. And then later, the Levite, he came by, he showed pity, but he went his way. It was the Good Samaritan, the Bible says, that showed compassion and put his love into action. I remind you what the book of Jude says, and some have compassion making a difference. I want to make a difference, and I believe you do as well. We need to follow the example of Jesus Christ, follow the example that we see God and what he does for the children of Israel is he puts his love into action for them. There's one other thing that I wanna mention here that Moses is observing and I will be through. And that is number four, he's seeing here God's power. God's power. Look with me at the beginning of verse number eight. God says, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk milk and honey. Look at verse number 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. I love what God is saying to Moses here. He's saying, Moses, I have a plan and I am all powerful and I will deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. He does not say to Moses, Moses, I think if we really try hard on this, we've got about a 95% chance of making this work. Moses, you know, if we follow this other plan, maybe we've got about a 99% chance. That's not our God. Our God says, I have a plan, it will happen. And he's reminding Moses that it's not gonna happen through his power and through through who he is. It will happen because God is the one who wants to do the work and he wants to do it through Moses. Oh, how sad it is when I have young people that will talk to me and say, Well, now, Brother Snyder, I'm thinking about missions. Missions, you know, it might be something I I think God might be calling me to do, but I, I just, there's just no way I ever could because I'm just not qualified to do that. I just, I'm just not able to do that. I remind you this morning, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Listen, it's not about what you can do. It's not about what I can do. What this is about is what God desires to do through us and whether or not we're willing to, along with Moses, say, God, here am I. You say, Brother Snyder, that sounds kind of dangerous because I I remember what Moses got into after this. Oh, yeah, I'm not telling you it's going to be all wonderful after you say, here am I. But I will tell you this, it's going to be amazing what you will see God do in and through you if you're just simply willing to say God here am